This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free of the chains holding me. Is anybody out there hearing me? Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, Proclaim liberty to captives and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here. Welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio and welcome to 2021. And let's take a moment and look at where we've been in the, in the last year and where we're going Last year, we saw that we we have the cultural war, we have the civil war, we have division, racial division, we had division in the church, we have Christians tearing each other apart, there's a lot of splits going on, uh, we have we have anar- we had anarchy for several months where buildings were being burned down. And and a lot of people were in shock and didn't know how to deal with that. Police were being disarmed. Police departments were being disarmed. And the rule of law is being challenged and questioned, and they're even trying to overthrow it. And once once the rule of law is gone, you have there's nothing left. It's just every man for himself and anarchy. And of course, we had COVID, and we still have COVID, where. Everything that went along with that, all the uh, the fear and people getting sick, a lot, you know, in big numbers and people dying, and so a lot of a lot of strife, some fear, and then if you look kind of behind the scenes, the occult has really blown up in the U.S. So we've gone from the last twenty years, we've gone from reportedly eight thousand witches in the country eight twenty years ago. Today, more than a million. And the occult is growing fast. So when you have that many people doing chants and casting curses and spells and all the things that they do, that that's going to intensify the evil one's grip on our country. And we've seen that in every corner, even in the church. Because whenever you have a church where two-thirds of Christian men are viewing pornography and a lot of churches don't want to deal with that, that right there is a big spiritual war, a spiritual battle. The battle is at the top of the church and with the rest of us in the pews. So we are in a very precarious situation. And financially, the government borrowed and printed money or some combination, a record amount last year on their COVID, um, the word just escaping me, where we were giving checks to people and individuals and the relief, the financial relief. But in doing that, I think I, I did the math once, and if if every individual, if we had divided up the money equally that they borrowed and printed, everybody, every man, woman, and child would have gotten more than $13,000. So instead, a few, some people got 1200 some people got 600 and some people got none. 
So what did you get for that for that huge gouge of debt? Really not much. And they're even they're going to be upping that game even more. Stimulus, that that's the word I was losing, missing out on. So financially, we're in a dangerous place. The dollar has been dropping. And so all these things right now is a perfect storm for a really big collapse. And then the incoming administration, what are the, what are the things they're saying they're going to do? $5 trillion in new taxes has been put forward that this is where we want to go. It doesn't take a genius to figure out if you have less money to spend, you're not going to be having much as money to spend. So the economy is going to slow down. <clears throat> when it's already in a tough spot because so many people lost their jobs because of COVID and, and other things. And they're talking about laws that are going to up the game with abortion. So that's more evil in God's sight, which gives Satan more ground in our country. They're talking about laws that are going to make it illegal uh, for churches to fire or Christian organizations to fire people that don't agree with their sexual agenda. That gives the enemy more ground in our country. So everything that is right in front of us from the top, at the top, the whole thrust is going to be to taking this country even further into evil, further into depravity, and and then you have all the other things going around with the anarchy and the sexual sin and the occult, all these things that are just washing and slushing in the system. It's not hard to see where it's not going to be much longer before we have a real serious problem. We already have a serious problem. I mean, it's really bad where there's some kind of catastrophe, financial collapse, or some combination of all of it. In Last year, I was reading articles that other countries are watching us, and they're stunned because it's like we're, we're falling apart right in front of the whole world, and it's like we're totally clueless and don't get it. And you don't hear these things even mentioned in church a lot of the time. There isn't a sense of urgency. There isn't a search of fervency. There isn't pastors putting their flocks on their knees every single Sunday, which needs to happen right now. It must happen right now. Think about this. The way we've been doing church the last two, year, ten, two decades is a part of what gotten us into this mess because the church has lost its salt. So we have to go back and look at Scripture and not just teach it, but do what the Bible says. And, and so go, go read the book of Acts. It's really easy. They were spending time in prayer all the time. We have to be a church that spends time in prayer all the time. They were devoted to fellowship. 85 to 90% of Christians are isolated. We have to bust that up. And when we have our weekend services, that means we start having people share in small groups of two or three, you make it safe for them to share, have them share with each other and pray with each other. And that's that's how you're going to change this whole course of isolated churches and isolated believers. We're not going to pull this thing together if we keep doing church the way we've always done it. <clears throat> and then, of course, they're devoted to the Word, and they are devoted to the apostles' plural teaching. Not one man, not one senior pastor. So the American model, the way that works we're seeing a lot of pastors fall for different reasons, burnout, depression, moral failure. And so what happens when the pastor at the top goes down, the whole church is traumatized. That's a safety that God put in place that you don't put any church in the hands of one man as one teacher. So we have what we're talking about here 
is a call to a wholesale change to the way we do church. And in the book that I wrote, The Rogue Christian, the subtitle is The Status Quo Has Failed. It's time to go rogue. And I will tell you right now, status quo Christianity has failed. And what that is, is that we go to church, we listen to the worship band, nobody is challenged, we don't talk about tough, tough, tough issues, and we do not equip people on how to be overcomers in those issues. All this has to change immediately. And we have to become houses of prayer in our weekend services. The depth of the darkness and depravity that is going to be unleashed this year, and I'm not a prophet, and it's not saying I am, is just one plus one equals two. You can just see it, that there's going to be a big tidal wave coming this year that is going to be even worse. It's going to be a tsunami of evil and depravity like no other. You have to realize it is desperate for right now that we become people of prayer. And we don't just talk about revival and repentance. I saw that ad nauseum last year. Oh, we need to pray and repent, repent, pray and repent. Repent of what? Tell me what? And the part of the problem is we don't face our sins. We don't put mirrors up in front of ourselves. So what I want to do today is, is show you what a rogue Christian looks like. And when I say a real Christian, what I really mean is a biblical Christian. And you might say, well, I go to church. That doesn't mean it's a biblical church. A biblical church is devoted to prayer, teaching, fellowship, communion, in addition to the word. And most churches are not, and we're not equipping our people. So for each one of you, this is what I'm calling a real Christian. And I'm encouraging you to take a look at making changes in your life. And so what I've got here is the Rogue's Creed, and there are seven points, and all of them are straight out of God's Word. There's no, it's not something I made up. And I'll read the first point. Rogues go all out in their relationship with God. We have at least one hour of silence with the Lord alone every week, and we go to alone to retreat once every four months to seek God's face and enjoy his presence. The way you kindle a passionate love relationship with the Lord is by extended time with him, alone, in silence, not at church, but going hard after him. And so we have to change the way we see our relationship with Lord, the Lord, Christianity, church, and make it about God. I want to know you. I'm going hard after you. And that's going to be my life until I die. No more playing games with my relationship with you, Lord. I want you. So you have, to, you have to kindle a deep, passionate prayer life with him. You have to go after him hard. And I sit here at least once a week. We have an hour alone in silence. So it's usually Saturdays and Sundays. I'll have at least an hour alone in the morning with the Lord in silence, resting with him, praising him, soaking his word, listening for his voice. It's just amazing. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to do the same thing. And then the part about going to a retreat alone once every three to four months. So what I do is I'll go to a Christian retreat. Usually, often I have the place to myself. And I'll spend a good one to two days. And all I'm doing is I'm just going after God. God, I want you. God, reveal yourself to me. God, I love you. God, I want to be with you. And after I spent two days alone with him, 
It's like I've saturated my soul in heaven, and I don't even want to go back home. And I want to move you and challenge you to go in this direction. If you're one of those Sunday Christians who all you do is show up to church on Sunday, you go home, you're, you're missing the boat by a mile. And what, what is Jesus' challenge one church in Revelations? You've lost your first love. You can't just, you know, you're not going to have a marriage very long if you check in with your wife a few minutes every, you know, every week on a Sunday. You're not going to have much of a relationship with the Lord. Is that all you give him? And part of that comes down to we have to build our life around our priorities. So if God is really first, you're going to be soaking yourself in him and going after him hard. And that's going to be the biggest, most important thing in your life. Second, rogues are prayer warriors. And of course, that's connected to the first one, but uh, go throughout all the scripture and constantly you see prayer as a theme. Daniel 9, that, that prayer that Daniel prayed comes to mind. It's a powerful prayer where Daniel's alone with God, confessing his sins, which encourages me, and the sins of his country. <clears throat> and he's very open with the evil and the filth that his his nation is in has been imbibing in and and God honors that prayer and and we read also that Daniel prayed three times a day morning noon at night that got him kicked in the lion's den we read that Elijah was a man like us in James 5 and he prayed that it would stop raining and it didn't rain for three years prayer is our most powerful weapon and most Christians a lot of Christians don't even have you know God bless our Sunday service that's not a that's not a house of prayer. God bless me in my day today. That that's asking for God's hand, not his face. When you go after his face, you want to know him and and that's how you begin to kindle that passionate love, love love relationship with him and get his heart. Third, we are doers of God's word. So an easy example is James 5:16 which says confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that they may be healed. That is not optional, and that is not something that we just study at church or we hear in a nice, pleasant sermon. Oh, that was really nice. That's a nice thought. And we go home, and then we continue to live lives of isolation. In Proverbs 18, we're told, He who isolates himself quarrels against all sound wisdom. Genesis, some of God's first words where it's not good for man to be alone. So a real Christian is a doer of the word, and right off the bat, uh, we're not going to be isolated. So as I've shared before, I meet with another man every week, at least one man every week. And being a doer of the word is also being a prayer warrior. It's I'm going after God hard. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. I seek God with all my heart. There's times I have tears running down my eyes in the mornings. This is the difference between being a doer of the word and somebody who goes to church and, well, tell me what the Greek means and I need an expository sermon. No, sometimes a lot of us just need to do what the book says and not just sit there and listen and soak it in and let it rot in our hearts like some kind of like a bad apple. Because once we take the information in and it just sits there and we don't do anything with it, it's like spiritual rot. We really haven't done anything ourselves any good. And then all that knowledge has to go somewhere. So what is it? what happens? Pride. 
Look at what I know. Look at how smart I am. Look at how much theology and doctrine I know. So a doer of the word is somebody that looks at the book and, and goes after it. And they just don't want to study the Christian life. They want to live it. They want to live the adventure. And they sometimes when God calls them to put them in a pl- a place that is dangerous to their faith, and then, yeah, it can be fearful, but they go. They don't just mess around. And that's in the book of James we're told, be doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. There are a lot of people in the church today who are deluded. There are a lot of people who show up Sunday after Sunday and they have zero prayer life and they have very little connection with God and they're just playing Christian games and or maybe they know the right words to speak, but there's very little fruit in their life. You don't want to be that. So the rogue Christian is the one who takes God's word and says, okay, show me what you want to do, Lord. Show me and fill me with your Holy Spirit because I cannot do this on my own. Fourth, rogues meet with another believer every week for the purpose of encouragement, accountability, support, and prayer. And I just touched on this. No more isolated believers in the church. That goes. That's all connected to everything we've just looked at no more isolated believers you have to be meeting with another brother excuse me or sister once a week every week until the day you die so you have to we have to start tearing out all the isolation that is dividing and separating and disconnecting believers and each one of you is personally responsible for making that happen. So I would challenge you right now, if you're not doing that, then go to God and say, Lord, would you show me who you want me to start spending time with on a weekly basis? And it's not just about you. It's about other believers who need what you have to offer. Sometimes all we do is we think about what's in it for me, God, but we don't realize there are other people in the church who need our companionship, our fellowship, our prayer. So you are needed in this battle, and so are the other brothers and sisters. Number five, for the real Christian. We face our sins, hurts, and failures so that we might heal and be free of them. We boast of our weaknesses to others so the power of Christ can shine through us. And what we see when... People come to us for help at Blazing Grace. There's, there's, there's some people who, when you start asking some hard questions and poking around, the hand comes out and the wall comes up and they don't want to go there. And, and all they want is for me to give them a silver bullet or a magic pill that, bingo, all my problems are gone and, and life is good. And it doesn't, that, it doesn't work that way. Um, we wouldn't need God's word if it was really that simple. Uh, so it begins with saying, have an attitude of humility that says, Lord, I'm broken and I give you permission to convict me of my sin. Would you sh- please show me the things that are in between me and you, Lord? I'm tired of playing games with this Christian walk. Would you please show me my sin? And I'm willing to do what you want to do so that I might be cleaned up, so that I might be useful for your purposes. 
And so I'm going to challenge you today. No more masks. No more masks at church. No more faking it. Right? We hear plenty of stories where people go to church and uh, one wife shared how she went to church having a real hard time with her family and she was on the verge of breaking down and bawling. But she told me, I can't do this. I can't share a church because it's not safe there. And, and so we need safe people. And the truth is, the real truth is that there are a lot of Christians who are not safe to share with because of their pride and their arrogance, which goes back to, Lord, show me my pride. Show me my arrogance. Do you have the humility to do that? When you, or I hope, I'm hoping you get convicted when that comes up. I know I do when it starts to bubble its head up, and I hate it. It seems like the older I get, when I, when I see my flesh start to rear its ugly head, I just I can't stand it. And sometimes I, just, sometimes I just cry out to God, please, cleanse me of this. Fill me with your Holy Spirit because, you know, Lord, apart from you, I am nothing. And then we will expose, we, we boast of our weaknesses to others so the power of Christ can shine through us. So if you want to have God use you, you got to realize we're all broken clay pots and all too often our approach is, hey, you know, look at me and look at my praise God moments. Not, um, I train wrecked my life and I'm still struggling with my weaknesses. And, and sometimes the best sermons that we preach are not the thou shalt nots and the thou shots, but the, you know what, I'm broken and I made this mistake and I got this flesh that I can't stand and I got this lust that crops up every once in a while and I need God's help just like you do. Sometimes when I'm counseling people, I'll share my own weaknesses with whatever, and and they'll look at me like, that really helps, because sometimes they're used to going to counselors where all they do is they come up at them from this ivory tower, and I am no better than you are. Absolutely no way. The only difference between me and you is I have different gifts, get different calling, and but I've read God's Word. It's like, okay, he said to seek me with all his heart. I'm going after him, and I've been blessed when you do, when we do what what he's given us to do. So he tells us to boast in our weaknesses. So I want to challenge you, even this week, go on social media if you're on it and boast of your weaknesses. Show people the cracks and the flaws of your life. Too often, outside of the church, all I hear from us is the things they we think they should be doing instead of, I'm broken, I struggle with lust, I struggle with pride, I struggle with arrogance, just like you, but Jesus is with me, and here's the answer, and he's, he's, here's what he's showing me. And I'm walking this out one day at a time. That message does not get through often enough. And then rogue churches, this is number six. Rogue churches are devoted to God's word, fellowship, and prayer. We will expose the hard topics and equip our people to be overcomers. Our flocks will not be isolated, and we will pray during our weekend services. That's a rogue church, a biblical church, Acts 2.42, which we've been talking about. we got to put our people on our knees. we got to pe- put people praying and crying out to God. we got to open up and expose our sins. we got to stop faking it and playing games. Number seven, we choose to make our lives count for eternity until the end. Retirement is not an option. Like Isaiah, our hearts cry until death. It's here I am, send me. 
we do not retire. We may not work for an employer all our life, but we never retire. We fight into our last breath. And the American culture has taught us that life is about you work hard, you're 50, you're 60, you retire, and you spend the last 10, 20 years of your life having a good time. And you cannot justify that in Scripture. Read the parable of the man who said he's going to build more barns to store his crops so he can enjoy life. God took him out and said, you fool. Read the story of Caleb, 85 years old. The guy's a warrior still going to battle. Read the story of Hannah, the woman who spent her last years in life praying all the time and fasting in the temple. There is no retirement for the real Christian or for the man or woman who wants to give all God all they got. So I want to challenge you to remove that idea of retirement and go all the way with God until your very last breath. So thanks for joining me today, and we'll see you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.